daddy gonna stay in school and, and graduate. You're gonna die, Klaus! You can do it! Captain Insano shows no mercy. You can do it! I love my mama very much. Now you know that. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Hello and welcome to The Sandler Pit, the podcast that believes that alligators are ornery because they've got all those teeth but no toothbrush. What's that from? Have I seen this one? Yeah, have you, have you watched any of David Attenborough's Planet Earth documentaries? Yes, I have seen. <laughs> it's not from Planet Earth, really. <laughs> it's, um... Is it from Kevin James's YouTube series? No, it's from The Water. Oh, good. All right, okay. Yeah. How are you this week, Luke? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm... Um... Sad, really sad. Still after the of, Saddler. After the Saddler that we watched. I need something uplifting and happy. I agree. Even though I liked Punch Drunk Love, we do need to get back to our comedy roots. Uh, yeah. So I'm Luke, that's Luke, like. and this is the uh, the Sandler Pit, where we're going to watch all of Adam Sandler's films and then decide if they belong in the Sandler Castle to be celebrated forever, or if we're going to banish them and throw them into the Sandler Pit where they'll rot forever. This week on the Sandler Pit, we're going to be watching Mr. Deeds, which is yes. a film from 2002. So same year as Punch the same Drunk year as Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. So one second he's punching a bathroom to bits, and then the next second he's I don't know a rich man living in a house. I don't know anything about this film. The description on IMDb couldn't be more different from what we've just seen in Punch Drunk Love. It says, a sweet-natured small-town guy inherits a controlling stake in a media conglomerate and begins to do business his way. Right. So it sounds like he's got a similar, maybe a similar job to him, Punch Drunk Love, but he's a happy, happy-go-lucky guy instead. So he's kind of nice, yeah. So I can tell you that this film is basically Mr. Deeds. Is, he's a small-town Sandler, which we love. I can't remember. I, I've seen this film quite a few times, but I think he works as like a delivery guy for a fast food restaurant or something like that one day like these rich guys come to town to tell him that his great uncle that he barely he barely knows existed has passed away and that he's left him all this empire mr deeds has to go over to wherever it is i can't remember he goes he goes to the big city and he's like a fish out of water and he's inherited this really cool apartment and stuff he's not rich at the start and he's kind of a normal bloke but why is his name longfellow deeds Good question. That no, no one's called Longfellow. He is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why he's called Longfellow. I can't remember if, if they dig into that at all or if it's just like something that he gets the piss taken out of him about. Yeah, like like in Bedtime Stories when he's called Skeeter, but no one They no never one really says... reference his silly names in these films, do they? No, they're just like, oh, Skeeter, that's a name. And I guess it'll yeah. be the same here with... Longfellow. Honestly, I didn't know anything about it. From the poster, I gathered it'd be like a kind of poor guy inherits a mansion and that's the the story. But I am excited to watch it. It's a remake of a Frank Capra film from the 30s. Yeah, Uh, I've not seen that and I don't know anything really about it. Have you seen it? Well, I've not seen it, but Frank Capra, I think, was he the guy who made uh, It's a Wonderful Life and stuff Mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. So it's a bit unusual territory for Adam Sandler. We've seen him in a remake in The Longest Yard, which we did note had like a really weird tonal shift because it was a remake of a really serious 
prison drama with a, a character who explodes, but it's in an Adam Sandler comedy. So I feel like this might have a similar thing with scenes that are in a 1930s film, but updated for the modern day. I think um, an interesting note there is that Frank Capra, as you say, It's a Wonderful Life, that's been referenced in some of the Sandler films before. Click, we mentioned, has kind of that same vibe of It's a Wonderful Life, where it was, Mm. you know, a guy looking back at his life and trying to change it. Do you think that Adam Sandler thinks that some of these films are like, could be classics, you know, because of... (laughs) the heartwarming stories in them i feel like he thinks a lot of these comedies are like i don't know he must consider himself to be like a classical leading man like an ever like you'd find in yeah in the 30s and 40s like a a jimmy stewart or whatever at the moment that's tom hanks isn't it would you say i think whenever tom hanks is in a film he's an every every man that you sort of always kind of root for him Mm. i think adam sandler thinks that he might have that sort of vibe i think in this film from what I can remember, I remember liking liking this guy a lot more from the start. Okay, It'll be interesting that's good. to see because we've always said he's quite unlikable in a lot of these films. I think Sandler is better when he's he's playing someone who's unlikable and they're meant to be unlikable because when he's playing a likable character, they always come across as unlikable, especially Michael Newman. If, let's say, that's his attempt at It's a Wonderful Life, like James Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life is like a... He treats people badly, but he's still a kind of relatable and sad character and i don't know it makes the jump when his life he realizes how good his life is it, it's it's emotional whilst michael newman doing the same thing it's the character's just shockingly unlikable yeah uh, and nauseating so i hope that they get that balance right and mr deeds isn't just a, a dick there's the small town sandlers and there's the big city mm. sandlers and the big city ones are usually the bad ones mm. so usually when he's a small town sandler that's when he's got his heart in the right place right from the start. I think this film's about him taking on other big city slickers or whatever you'd want to call them. I don't know. Right, I get you. And he's the small town guy that's fish out of water and he's going to bring his brand of, of being a nice guy to the big city <laughs> rather than, you know, getting corrupted by what people think you should be like if you're a, if you're a businessman. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm hoping then they get that right. But yeah, I am excited to see this. It does it doesn't look bad. It looks a bit like a kind of big daddy era of fine comedies they used to make. So yeah, we've had a few rubbish weeks as well. Either new comedies or sad Sandler or shite Disney Sandler. So uh, it's nice to be back where we belong with yeah. comfortable old early two thousand Sandler wearing his big big tops and his big big trousers. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of baggy clothing in this one. When we watch these films, we take a list of tropes that we've got called the Sander scale. And we put nine tropes each into a bingo sheet, which we will have at hand while we watch the film. And as we go along, we're going to tick off as many of the tropes as we can. At the end, when we come back to review the film, we'll see who's got a bingo, who got it quickest. It's being used to measure which is the most Adam Sandler film possible. I think so far, Punch Drunk Love is the least Adam Sandler films, which might yeah, be definitely. one of its strengths. But um, <laughs> I, I think so far, it's the more slapstick, outlandish ones. And this one looks to be sort of straight up normal film that won't have all these crazy over the top moments. I think on paper, that's what it looks like, um, which yeah, is definitely. the same as Big Daddy. But Big Daddy turned out to have a lot of like injured animals, misogynistic jokes, bald jokes, stuff like that. That's what we can come to expect mm. in this, right? I'm hoping that no matter what, it's it's kind of enjoyable um, and isn't too... 
I don't know, dated in its comedy. Mm-hmm. I feel like if it's if it holds up like now to scrutiny, then I'll be I'll be happy. Yeah, I I think there's a lot to for you to look forward to in this. There's a few surprise cameos. There's some quite good actors from you know dramas and other types of genres that aren't necessarily usually in comedy films that might stand out a bit. Yeah, I think there's a lot to like in this one, and hopefully you'll agree. What are you kind of expecting? You just you just want it to not be boring, basically. Not boring, not too damaging or horrible to different people, and fairly funny, and then I'll be happy. Cool. Well, I think that sounds good to me. <laughs> let's see if that's what it's like then. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go and watch Mr. Deeds and meet back here to talk about it afterwards. Bye. Bye. You are now listening to the Sandler Pit. He's a good kid. He's just got to watch his language in front of the ladies. I'll remind Kevin where he comes from. No, Daddy, no! And we are back. We'll just watch Mr. Deeds, Adam Sandler's 2002 effort, Mr. Deeds. I think we went over the plot a little bit, but Luke, if you want to talk a bit more about what this film's actually about, that would be nice. Yeah, absolutely. So Mr. Deeds, it's a remake of an old 30s film, uh, and it's about a small town guy called Longfellow Deeds, which is the shittest name ever, (laughs) is a distant relative of a billionaire who dies, uh, and then he inherits $40 billion shares in his company and his personal fortune, and he moves to New York, and chaos ensues. Yep. (laughs) What did you think of Mr. Deeds? Watching this, I was really surprised because I knew most of like the jokes, knew most of the script, and I was like predicting every bit that was happening. Well, not predicting because I already knew what was happening, but um, yeah, I was preempting like every joke, unlocked a memory in my mind where suddenly I knew every single beat of this hour and a f- like forty minutes film. It's it's a silly film. It is very mm-hmm. stupid, but I couldn't look past the nostalgia of of really liking it. I think. It does a lot of good stuff with Adam Sanders playing a much more likable character than what we've seen mm. in the last few films. Now his heart's in the right place. He's a bit... Oh, he, he jumps at being quite aggressive, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm going to say, but I don't think he's likable. And also, I feel like when Adam Sandler is trying to play likable and nice and everyone says how likable and nice he is, he comes across as less likable. They do that usual thing of everyone telling him how great he is. But I do think there's something about him in this because he's a fish out of water. He's a, he's yeah. a small town guy. And I think it's like a thing we pointed out with Longest Yard where the film's obviously a remake of an old film and it feels like they've not bothered updating quite a lot of the stuff. Yeah. So he has very small town mentality. He almost seems like a man out of time a little bit when he goes to New York. Does, it's like yeah. he's never seen cars before and stuff. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I think this one's quite heavy on the jokes. I feel like... The story's not massively important until like the last minute, really. And it's just yeah. a lot of like slapstick stuff and just this guy getting screwed over by a news company. And there's a lot of like silly set pieces, like a bit with him and John McEnroe, where they go out for like a drunk night out and John McEnroe like does a 10 foot jump over a car <laughs> in a news bulletin. <laughs> it's really weird, but funny. Yeah. I wrote that down. Uh, I wrote how he is. John McEnroe is maybe the worst actor I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen. There's a moment where he goes, here's to a big night on the town. And it's the worst line delivery yeah. I've, ever, I've ever heard, I think. Very obviously not an actor. You know what? I think this is either the second or third time that we've seen him in a film in our series alone. I don't think we've spoken about it before, but I'm certain really? he's... 
he's either one of the testimonials in Sandy Wexler or he's in Jack and Jill. So I've just gone on his IMDb page and yeah, he's in Jack and Jill, Mr. Deeds, You Don't Mess With Zohan, Anger Management, all as John McEnroe. Yeah, so this film is quite a messy sort of film where the plot doesn't matter too much. But there is also yeah. a plot there. I think enough that it's a good backdrop for fish out of water. Poor guy goes to being a rich guy. It's just, it's a genre that was quite popular through, I mean, it's sort of through the 80s to the early noughties, isn't it? There was quite a few of these sort of trading places type films. Yeah, Brewster's Millions and uh, a few of us like that. Yeah, I agree. It does seem like a load of gags that have just been put in to like a loose story. But yeah, you are right. It does feel not dated but it does feel like really old-fashioned like i can't imagine anyone from a small town acting the way he does it's a bit silly mm-hmm. like how everyone in his town loves him i think longfellow deeds is a bit of an interesting character because you can tell probably in the original he's just a really nice man but here they make him a nice man but they also want some of the sandler craziness so he punches so many people like really violently yeah, he's not afraid to, like, solve any problem with his fists, is he? <laughs> yeah. The scene with him and Alan Covert when he beats the shit out of him and <laughs> just punches him into, like, <laughs> into a coma and then yeah. gets up in, like, a massive neck brace in the next scene. Uh, did you know that Alan Covert really injured himself when they did that? And he, he ended up getting knocked out for a minute. and oh unconscious. God. Adam Sandler pulled him onto the floor and he smashed his head. And then, yeah, he ended up unconscious for, a, for over Alan, a minute. Alan Covert suffers for his art. <laughs> exactly. Did you and think that's... that that scene was exactly the same as the bit in Fifty First Dates when Ula is pretending to mug Henry Roth and then Drew Barrymore just beats Rob Schneider up with a bat? Yeah, enough it's of a bit of an audience wish fulfillment. <laughs> <laughs> I think we in all... this it works better, though, because... Alan Covert's character is just so slimy and Are you saying Ula wasn't? <laughs> I think he Ula was supposed to like bad. Ula, though. Was I? I think, I think that's how they wrote it, is like, he's a lovable goof. Yeah, it works both times, because as an audience member, you really want to beat up Rob Schneider or Alan Covert mm-hmm. with a, like in Big Daddy, where he smacks him with a piece of wood. And yeah, Ula getting beaten up by the baseball bat. But this one was, was quite satisfying, watching him being punched. <laughs> I think Alan Covert in this film is maybe he's I don't know about funniest but I do like him in this especially the bit when he's in the shower just soaping his huge ass <laughs> <laughs> he's in so many weird bits in this film and you see at the end that he's like executive producer and it's like why did he choose why to, did you do that <laughs> yeah have this weird curly blonde bleached afro have a scene when you're showering like nude with a huge bun and just like rubbing it and pointing it directly at the camera yeah he's like a master of disguise so he's always in disguises <laughs> in this film uh, which is quite funny yeah. yeah i agree this is one of his uh, better characters don't you like it i don't this is for all his sandler comedies don't you like that um columbia opening sting you know like when yeah. it opens and that music it just makes me feel comfortable whilst when it wasn't there in punch drunk love i was like oh boy what are we in for here <laughs> Yeah. But here I was like, we're back in familiar territory. It is nice. It just reminds me of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. That is really weird that you mentioned Spider-Man just then, because I did notice there was a scene for scene 
uh, moment that was in Spider-Man 2, which came out two years after this film. Is so... it the bit when he stops the train? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, what are you doing here, tough guy? And then he stops the New York train and everyone Someone claps says it. he's just a kid. But there's a bit when he climbs a building to... Uh, to save a woman from a fire. Oh yeah, that was a that's good probably the best scene in the film. It has one of our favourite kind of jokes. I think we've made this quite a lot, but probably not actually in the podcast where um, something gets edited out of context. So I always have a joke with you that I'm going to edit your reviews to make it sound like you really love Rob Schneider. I never do it. Basically, <laughs> Sanders. Don't do that to me. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm a teacher. I don't need that on my record. Sandler climbs up a fire escape or whatever and starts rescuing this woman and her cats and then he doesn't climb edited. up a fire escape mate is it like a, climbs... is it drain pipe yeah he just he just shimmies up the building he's good at sports though like you've got to let him yeah just do it so yeah he goes up the building and rescues the cats and he's like throwing them out the window and then they edit it out of context and make it look like he was just like chucking cats and trying to have yeah. sex with this old lady in the street in front of everyone and he's like yeah <laughs> that was uh yeah good edison it was the coolville sucks joke it was definitely the coolville yeah, sucks i really hate when films do this thing where something that happens in the film gets gets shown and it's supposed to have been filmed by a person uh, a yeah. character and then the actual thing that they show is just shots from the film yeah so basically it's like winona Ryder's character has somehow got the footage from whoever was filming that day or Mr. Deeds, and she's sent that into her boss, Jared Harris, <laughs> and that's made isn't the news. She, isn't she like recording something that's attached to her chest? Yet yeah, she has yeah. an HD quality footage of him from like close ups of him in the building. And as well, she also catches the first cat that gets thrown out the window and it goes over where the camera would be. Yeah. So, like, she wouldn't have any footage, really, at all. It's a niggling point, but I think that was my my one criticism of this film. <laughs> That's your only criticism. It's unrealistic. <laughs> uh, we did mention last week how uh, Punch Drunk Love was a, a Superman story uh, and, and Adam Sandler's meant to be Superman. I would contest yeah. this is his, him at his most super heroic. Like, he's got super strength in this film for some reason. He just beats everyone up. He keeps rescuing people. He's just so strong. Maybe this is his, I don't know, this is his Batman film. Because <laughs> he's a bit more dark in this. Um, I did find it so weird, though, because I did I did quite like the first half an hour or something, which is him in his hometown, and he's everyone loves him. And uh, you meet a few good characters like uh, Crazy Eyes, yeah, played by like Steve Crazy Buscemi, Eyes. and like Peter Dante, playing like a slacker hippie. I did find it funny because we were meant to record this episode on about three days ago and then I got sick and then I did write down Peter Dante pretending to be sick on the phone and being all pathetic <laughs> was me cancelling this podcast. I'm sick, I can't come to work today, <laughs> I'm sick. Did you notice another point in our Sandlerverse with uh, Rob Schneider? Yeah, that's that's good, isn't it? That one, that's mm. proper like early version of like Stan Lee's cameos in the Marvel films. Rob <laughs> Schneider appears as his character from Big Daddy. Where's Big Daddy set again? Uh, Was New that York. New York? Yeah, yeah, so it lines up. Do you not think so... that Rob Schneider's wondering why Sonny Koufax, the lawyer, is suddenly <laughs> up a building rescuing cats? <laughs> Do you think this was before? No, this came out after, wasn't it? So yeah, he knows Sonny after. Koufax. Again, we have to tap into our theory that 
all of these people don't look like Adam Sandler, but we are the only ones who see him as Adam Sandler. Yeah, that, that's what I keep thinking. It's got to be, I think the Avatar theory is the closest thing to what, what it must be because of the way that they all do react to Adam Sandler. By this point, Happy Gilmore must be a household name for his antics. And so would the wedding singer man. He ended up getting a record deal at the end, didn't he? Just his love story was so beautiful that people were bound to talk about that, weren't they? <laughs> people must know them. Sandy Wexler, look how many people knew him. Even Chris Bloody Rock hell, knew yeah. him. I think it must be the Avatar theory. So that's going to make the Sandlerverse film really interesting. Maybe other people can play all of the characters. So what, you want them to do a reunion version of this film where different actors are playing different Sandler characters? Yeah. So who would you have playing Mr. Deeds? Fuck, I don't know. Like Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks! <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks beating people up. I was thinking Adam Devine. Oh. He's, he's not been in enough films. We need Adam Devine back. He's been in too many films, <laughs> if anything. Magic Camp on Disney Plus. <laughs> Fuck off. No I just thanks. think he needs his uh, time in the spotlight playing Mr. Maybe Deeds. he could win me over because the, the other day you've almost won me over to Pete Davidson with that Saturday Night Live sketch of staying at home. But really, he was just being carried by the man that is the Sandman. <laughs> Much better not, than that. Do you not like Peter Davison? No. Nah. God, mate, we're never going to get any of these lads on our podcast if you keep acting <laughs> yeah, like good. a dick about them. I don't want any of them on it. Peter Davison's all right. No, he's not. Why is he's, he all right? He, I don't know. Uh, just... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 That's all he does. Yeah. Uh, uh, in my dressing room, I, I smoked some weed. Yeah. <laughs> That's all he does. That was a really good impression. Your whole face transformed into uh, Pete mm-hmm. Davidson's then. Yeah. We haven't mentioned one of the main characters yet at all, which is uh, Winona Ryder as Babe, Babe. Bennett. Babe, where's another, Babe? <laughs> another double-lettered character name. Yeah, yeah, that's true. More alliteration. I think that that might mean that this is a Superman film. Maybe she's like Lois yeah, Lane. Exactly. Babe Bennett is a she's a journalist, right? And mm. she gets put on the case to investigate Mr. Deeds, find out more about him because he's just inherited all this money. It's just one of those typical plots where you know someone's bound to fall in love with the person that they're investigating. I think you can see it yeah. coming from like a mile away. It's not yeah. a surprise when it happens. I think because they've suggested that Deeds is this good guy, it's so obvious that she's pulling the wall over his eyes. You feel really bad for him, don't you? Well, I think, yeah, you meant to feel bad for him. I, I didn't. This is my issue with this whole film, really, is that he is portrayed, or they tell us that he's like the he's a really good guy so he doesn't change whatsoever as Mm. a character i'd have liked it if he'd have gone from he's quite humble and good at the beginning then he gets all the money and becomes a jerk and pushes everyone away and then comes back at the end like a changed character there's no story arc for um for longfellow deeds because he's great when he's poor He's, he's great when he's rich and then he's great when he's poor again like there's never a moment when he's a bit of a dick and is that ca- something that does that ruin a film for you when no it doesn't does it? no it doesn't ruin a film but there needs to be someone who's i don't know changing or or is doing something interesting so you but put that's that her isn't it that's her but she is the worst love interest of any adam sandler character maybe ever Hmm. She's so bad in this film and it's not her fault. She's just really miscast. She's supposed to be acting. When she's doing the stuff, when she plays um, Pan Dawson. From okay, Winchesterton so... Fieldville. So yeah, when she's playing Pan, I guess she's supposed to be acting and it's not supposed to be very convincing. And I think that kind of works. But yeah, then when it comes to the bits when she is playing 
just just being herself, she's still not very convincing in it. Yeah, I don't she... think she works here at all. Her character's just not believable. I don't know why she just suddenly falls in love with him. And again, it's the same issue with any love interest characters in these films. They don't end up having like their own goals or dreams at all. So she does end up getting going out with Longfellow Deeds. And at the end, she's just living in his hometown. She's working at his pizza parlour and congratulating him for getting this job with Hallmark. But she doesn't do anything. Like Her dreams aren't fulfilled. Her I think only... she's still a journalist at the end. But she's wearing a stupid Deeds Pizzeria top. She's just become a pizza delivery person. No, I think and... she's just showing support for her, her boyfriend. Where are you getting that from, mate? You're, I'm you're making I'm that up. I'm pretty certain that at the end she's still, a, she's still a journalist. Why do you think that? Well, you're a teacher. Right now you're not studying in front of 30 <laughs> kids, are you? <laughs> I know, but he's... She doesn't have to she's... be doing it all the time. She's working at the pizzeria. She, what, because she's wearing a T-shirt and she's in there? Yeah. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> You've added your own narrative to this here. Well, I think that at the end, it's it's a bullshit resolution for their characters. I uh, think she was, back. she was bored over by the small town charm of, of Mr. Deeds. He wasn't like all of her media friends, like Alan Cover and uh, <laughs> Jared Harris playing an Australian for no apparent reason. Yeah, she just decided that that was what she liked because when she went to Winter- Winchesterton, Fieldville, Iowa, she liked it there, didn't she? I think no, she just... no, she didn't. When did she like it there? She like she liked the kid and stuff in that in did her she... house. I think did she, she liked just... the kid. She smacked yeah. the kid's head against the railing <laughs> and smacked his teeth out. <laughs> she saved him, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you know? I think that she was bowled over by the fact that he wasn't trying to be someone that he that he isn't. Whereas she was trying to be someone she isn't. She liked that side of things and wanted to have a bit of a simpler life. My issue with Babe Bennett is that she didn't have a character of her own at all. I didn't know who she was. I didn't I wasn't invested in her falling in love with Adam Sandler because I didn't get who she was. And she was the weakest part of the film for me at all, like mm. out of everything. I can I can kind of agree. I think they just show you very small snippets of who she is and that's supposed to just paint the picture for you. I think it's like she's on the phone lying to him and saying she's never drank in her life and she's got like a Budweiser in her hand when she says it and all this sort of... I think they they do very minimal work. I think you're just supposed to think she's a sleazy reporter. I wish, though, that those two characters, Babe Bennett and Pam Dawson, were like kind of distinct and interesting and when she reveals who she is, she's basically the same person. Yeah. Just a little bit more annoying. And I didn't care about that side of this film at all. Mm. The love interest was the worst part and it's a rom-com. Is this a rom-com? Yeah. The whole film's set around a romance. Like that's the whole the whole thing. Yeah, but it's a romance where someone's being duped for like 75% of it. So I think Yeah, more... exactly. That's why I didn't like it. I don't think I don't think I would say this is a romantic film. What are I mean, you talking the about? IMD... It's a rom-com. It's it's got a it's got a, a like romantic <laughs> subplot. Says, Mr. Deeds is a 2002 American romantic comedy. Yeah, but that's Wikipedia where anyone can edit it. I could say it was a sci-fi if I wanted to, and it could stay <laughs> on there for a few minutes. On IMDb, comedy romance. The yeah, and then it says things. underneath it, a sweet-natured small-town guy inherits a controlling stake in a media conglomerate and begins to do business his way. It doesn't say along the way he meets Babe Bennett and falls in love with her. There's no mention <laughs> of her in, the, in that 
little plot outline. I, I understand what you're saying. I don't think it is the strongest point of this film, but I also do think it's like maybe like 30% of the film. Most of it's about him coming to New York and being a fish out of water and being shit, yeah. appearing to be a part of high society or whatever. Yeah, but they don't same. really go too into the high society thing either. It's it's all very surface level. I'd have liked more like high society. He's like high society events that he has to go to and he yeah. makes a tit of himself. I think Yeah, I think they could have fun. definitely done with doing like a bigger dinner party type scene maybe or like him yeah. having to do a speech or something. They hint at that with the bit when he takes her for dinner and he's in this fancy restaurant in like a really baggy hoodie and his horrible jeans. So he stands out. They do they do a bit of it, but I think if he had an actual goal in that scene, it might have had bigger results. One thing I didn't like was that everyone in the film either hates Deeds or loves Deeds. There's no one who's just kind of, eh. Like everyone he meets, he either charms them to the point of they've just lost their minds because they, they like those two helicopter pilots who he gets them to start singing and not even looking at where they're going because he's charmed them so much. Or they really hate him, like the posh people in the restaurant. You don't really get a a sense of him struggling because he doesn't struggle whatsoever. He He's really calm most of the time until he violently starts punching people. It is very black and white with like, it's basically rich and poor. Rich people hate him, poor people love him. It's but not some really of the rich people love him. Only Cecil. No, at the end, he's like, all you rich people, think about what really matters. And he convinces oh, yeah. them all to he not make money. Over. I don't think it's out to be like an exploration of the class system. I don't think this is Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is a review I saw, and it was it's called this The White Person's Parasite. <laughs> what, Mr. Deeds? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you found my review. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely the, the standouts were Alan Covert. I like yeah. John John Turturro in this. He's yeah, we running joke even... of being sneaky, sneaky. That's pretty good. He's got some weird running jokes. So one of them is that he sneaks up on people, which was quite funny. Uh, yeah, and it's then... like almost supernatural, isn't it? That you see him yeah. in like one room, and then a second later, he's like behind you. He could be a really good kid, like killer. Oh my god, they're all superheroes, aren't they? So Alan yeah. Covert. Is... Yeah, he's the Flash. Alan Covert's Mysterio, the master <laughs> of disguise. <laughs> he's just. <laughs> He's Mystique from the X-Men. Yeah, but his, his power is that he always looks like Alan Covert. He can change his hair. His power is that he can change everything about him, apart from the fact that he's Alan Covert. So this is a bit like a Glass. I, I think it's pretty impressive how much this film does. It's the white person's parasite. It's also Glass. <laughs> it's Adam Sandler's, like, uh, he's super strong until someone says a swear word in front of a, a woman, and then he just starts punching. What a film. Oh, I really like the uh, Blake Swardson cameo in <laughs> playing a, a a really abusive dad to a football Blake player. Clark. That's what I said. You said Blake Swardson. Oh, it's just my in my head, my Which dream. I really of like. Nick I like. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty good. When Blake he beats Clark. up his son and he's like, "No, daddy, no." Yeah, no, daddy, no. His son's a football player, isn't he? That's he's like rude in front of Mister Deeds, so his dad hits him with a belt. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good cameo. We had Tim Hurley again, kangaroo song guy. He was the fireman that just like stands at the bottom of the oh, building yeah, yeah. doesn't make any effort to go in and save the woman and leaves it to the random billionaire that's walking past. 
I wrote, Deeds is weird and unlikable and an oddball and he isn't charming. He's definitely a bit strange. I do I do like him, but I don't know if it's because I first watched this as a kid and that sort of made my mind up for me before. But he's definitely an odd character that isn't as likable as they think he is, that's for sure. Yeah. And I think he definitely feels like a character from a film from like the 40s or whenever the original one came out because the whole like politeness and you're in front of a lady and that all feels a bit ham-fisted especially like nowadays i always have this problem in adam sandler films where it feels like two things not meshing together so you can tell that adam sandler wants it to be like an old-fashioned 1930s small town sensibilities and and kind of being polite and all that but then he also really wants a, a massive fist fight between two women, the one from Two and a Half Men and Winona Ryder, just beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, and, that seems and, very surreal to come yeah. in that late, isn't it? Yeah, just like really weird, like little jokes, like his foot being completely black. Awful. I was nearly sick. It is gross. It is a little bit of a funny moment, though, when he stabs into his foot. But yeah, you're right. It is, yeah. it is pretty gross out, isn't it? So, yeah, just to clarify for our listeners, he has a horrible um, frostbitten black foot, which does have a payoff at the end when Winona Ryder is caught under the ice, which did feel like a proper It's a Wonderful Lifestyle story beat. That happens in, like, films from the 1930s. It happens in a lot of, like, cartoons and stuff, doesn't it? It felt like something out of, like, Bambi. But to get her out of the ice, he smacks the floor with his disgusting black foot. Yeah, but that's that film theory thing. You never heard of um, Chekhov's Black Foot? <laughs> it's set up early. You know it's good. there's going to be a payoff later on in the film. So it comes back. <laughs> that's the best thing you said on the <laughs> That scene it is, it is weird that she's drowning in the ice, but he has this fantasy that he wants to save a woman, yeah. which, again bit outdated that a man's got to be the hero or whatever but i'm not here to discuss gender politics so i kind of <laughs> so he gets duped into saving her in the scene we mentioned the alan covert mugging yeah. scene earlier on in the film and he's his dad saved his mum from something or other i can't remember what it was so he always had this idea that oh yeah i always want to i want to be a hero and rescue a woman and then he gets to do it when uh he uses his black foot to lift her out of the out of the pond so in some ways it's very unsubtle but it's kind of nice that that works out that way whether it's as effective as they planned it's probably not it's kind of a nice moment in some some way so the resolution it turns out he's not the closest relative and in fact the closest relative is our weird foot fetish disappearing and appearing butler Amelia. Servant Emilio. Mm-hmm. Um, did you like that payoff? I don't mind it. It comes yeah. late. It's kind of funny. Emilio is like the closest thing to a good person in this film, I think. And that's because yeah. we only get to see him for like 35 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> He's not developed on. He could be horrible. So I've got some quotes from this film that I've noted down that I think are just really nice. Mm. Please let me touch your feet, Emilio. Oh. I think they're about, they're having like a fake dinner scene where he's practicing a moment where Deeds is going to propose to Babe. Yeah. Emilio is playing Babe in this scene and they're having like a nice romantic moment. And then that's what he says. Please let me touch your feet. Uh, the director of the film has a cameo at that point. He's playing the violin, Steve Brill. Yep. He's been in quite a few of these, actually. I think he's 
the lawyer in Big Daddy that's going against Sonny Koufax. So he's All right. Quite, okay. he, yeah, he appears in quite a few of them. Do you like the Win- Winchester Tenfieldville joke? No. You don't like that? <laughs> I think it's all right. <laughs> I think that I think that joke that she makes up this really stupid idyllic uh, to kill a mockingbird inspired town, and then... town, where she even says about like Boo Radley and all this stuff about Atticus Finch for some reason. <laughs> So she builds it up and it's all off the top of her head, like, oh, there's blue shutters. We're off Main Street. And there's a tire swing out the front. And then he somehow finds it. All right. Yeah. Place. Yeah. It is. It, that is quite good. Actually. It's quite good. Um, but there was no need for that horrible, like, David Cronenberg level horror at that old man when he pulls his knee to one side. <laughs> that was awful. Like, the foot thing nearly made me sick. And then that old man's knee, I was like, I was proper gipping, mate. You're yeah. Awful. Yeah, I nearly gipped as well. I, <laughs> it is it is a really weird moment. I think it's definitely true what you said about how um, this film wants to be an everyman 1940s yeah. lovable romp. And then it also has these random gross out moments. But at the same time, I think if they did do in the early noughties, just did a nice safe take on one of those sort of films, it would it probably wouldn't have fit in with most of what was going on in cinema at that time in comedy. Yeah, because you know you had like Jim Carrey up an elephant's ass, all of this stuff happening. You know, I agree, but I feel like they should have got rid of all the kind of more old-fashioned bits as well, modernized everything. Yeah. But what did you think of Peter Gallagher as the villain? The guy with the eyebrows. Yeah, his eyebrows looked fine. I did write that. His eyebrows looked fine. Why is everyone going to go bush. about? Them? No, I think they're quite bushy. I think that's his his defining characteristic is his eyebrows and his moustache. I had a, a bit of a, a moment in this, though, when I was watching it. Uh, the whole the whole film until the end, I thought it was Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> the whole film. I thought, oh, Billy Bob Thornton looks a bit different in this. Yeah, and then he does. He looks really different. Yeah, <laughs> he different looks exactly man. like him. I'm just Googled Billy Bob Thornton, Peter Gallagher. That comparison has been made before. Oh, OK. Peter Gallagher. I, I think that character is... He's a little bit boring. I think at the start, it seems like he's a little bit... He's quite friendly at the start. He's not a maniac right from the get-go. I, I don't want to, any spoilers for our Sandler scale, but literally, as, as soon as his face popped up, I crossed off maniac villain. I was well, like, I know exactly. Face. Just because he's got that evil moustache. I was like, this guy's going to be an evil villain. Yeah, he does have a moustache. And Cecil yeah. specifically doesn't have a moustache. You know, he's not but evil. He has a beard. He's friendly. <laughs> yeah, he just has that, like, Amish-style beard. <laughs> Um, that was a good joke. The uh, that he fancies that old lady, <laughs> and then at the end yeah. he's he's with her. That yeah, good. that was nice. I like Cecil more than I like Peter Gallagher's character. I don't even know his name. There's the bit actually. Most of the good bits are when Peter Gallagher's being horrible to him when he says like, um, "I find your yellow teeth troubling" or something like that. He's like really horrible. Actually, yeah, maybe he is a maniac. He's pretty horrible to Cecil right from the get. Like, yeah, exactly. He's quite a background player considering he's the villain. He doesn't really do anything too crazy like we're used to in these sort of films. Apart yeah. from when he like has the whole, um, he works with the news network to like expose Babe. That's a bit of a low blow, isn't it? But that moustache, mate, like he's definitely a maniac villain. Yeah, but I think maniac comes more from your actions than your appearance, doesn't it? He, he, he does go crazy at the end when he's like, mm, I have 49% of the shares. He, yeah, he goes mad with power at the end. He goes I'm not going to try power. and take it away from you. I think you can have it. I, I think he's just not the most interesting villain. No, yeah, okay. In one of these films. I agree. So I've got this quote. 
you were stood over my bed breathing heavily. I was oh, yeah. an asthma attack. <laughs> I wrote down, oh, ooh, Alan Covert's disgusting. Yeah, that he's can, really gross. That, that he let Babe stay at his house and he stood over her while she slept. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alan Covert's no good. Yeah, he's film. really weird in this. It's disgusting. The disgustingness of that foot will haunt me for the rest of my life. It's <laughs> a good one. Pipe down, George. Do you like that? He <laughs> shouts that? pipe. It's the bit when they're sat at the dinner table uh, with the three rich guys. One's an opera singer. One writes for the New Yorker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, George chips in and says something bad about deeds. And he's like, pipe down, George. I think I just shat myself. Yeah, I've got that. That's the opera singer guy. Who, a like, little bit of a, 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 like a preview of The Longest Yard. Yeah. I think he just shit himself. Yeah, it is like that, actually. And when he gets pushed, he, he does like an opera shout. As he's getting pushed, he's like singing like, oh! <laughs> I kind of like that. Was he sweet when he gave me the most savage beating of my life? <laughs> <laughs> so Alan Covert's on the same page as you about uh, Longfellow Deeds. At least they actually yeah. reference that in the film, that he is a bit of a maniac, even though everyone thinks he's sweet. That's quite... Yeah, cool. yeah, he is a maniac, but he pretends he's not. And I prefer the films when he's outwardly a maniac mm. and no one likes him. Everyone liking him really rubbed me the wrong way. His career goal or his, his dream in life, he's got a few. He wants to be a fireman. He wants to help people. But he also really wants to uh, break into the Hallmark card business. Yeah. First of all, all his poems are shit and all his cards are shit. But I think that's kind of the point, except at the end when he does succeed for some reason. But cards um, are mostly shit, aren't they? That felt very old fashioned. Like Adam Sandler wanted to be a poet. Didn't it rub me the wrong way? I bet that's in the original film that he wants to be a poet or he wants yeah. to write Hallmark cards. There were bits to his character like he's, he likes sports. He likes saving people. But why did they have to have this weird storyline? It didn't feel right. Yeah, I can't I can't see anything that makes it massively organic to the plot and the character. For me, that that side of things doesn't it doesn't take it away because it is just a thing that makes you look sheltered and small town, isn't it? He he wants to do poems, but the biggest goal he can see is getting a card printed in Hallmark. I think that's just another thing that makes him look like a small, small town, small dreams, rather than, you know, he meets a guy who just writes for the New Yorker and stuff. Yeah. He's just sheltered. He doesn't think it's possible for him to write a good poem or a book of poems. He can just write a card. They have like the scene where he's leaving Mandrake Falls for the first time. He does a goodbye poem to a big crowd. And it's something really crap like leaving town on a business trip. They all like cheer at every bit that rhymes and they think that it's like the best poem they've ever heard. I think that's kind of funny because it just makes it's just a play on small town people and how they but I don't feel like impressed. Anyone- but no one on earth is like that. Like, I'm from a small town, but no one, I don't have like crowds of people and I read a poem to them. Yeah, but you're, like, you're in a real a real world. You're not in Mandrake Falls in an Adam that's, Sandler that's comedy true. film. I don't know why I want that in this. You, uh, want, every, you want it to be a gritty, realistic <laughs> film, don't you? I don't think you're going to get that from Mr. Deeds. <laughs> it's just um, not that sort of film, is it? I do have one last thing to just quickly say. So at the end of the film, like he, he gets a billion dollars given to him as a gift from Emilio, who has got the other 39 million. Instead of like, I don't know, helping with world hunger or helping with job creation, instead he just buys every single person in his town a Corvette. And Fucking hated that. <laughs> Stupid. Well, you got to think... Um... 
global warming didn't exist back in those days back in 2002 yeah it's funny (laughs) i I find it a little bit funny though because there's just this stupid shot of all these cars it's product placement it's one of our tropes just getting dialed up to 11 there's a lot of product shot a shot with how many cars would you say are in that shot like 35 30 30 40 cars yeah yeah that is his biggest bit of product placement and i had a little chuckle when i saw it it was stupid it was a bad way to end the film but i didn't mind it Right, so how did you do on your Sandler scale this week? So what I did was I, I put this through a randomizer, which hasn't worked great before. I got three ticks. None of them were in a line, so I didn't get a bingo. So the ones that I didn't get, I'm going to start with those. I didn't get Beautiful Wife because we don't know if he's married at the end. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't get David Spade. Didn't get Big Shorts. Didn't get Jonathan Loughran. Didn't get Jackie Sandler slash Adam Sandler's real wife. And didn't get a Colonel Sanders reference. Missing all of those things. It's a shame because this was the peak time with Jonathan Loughran, I thought. I'm surprised he wasn't in it. Yeah, I'm surprised as well. He could have He could have been anyone in it, really. I did get a uh, nice property. So when he gets his new apartment, shouting Sandler, which we get a lot of. But the yeah. first one I got was when he finds that there's an echo. So he just starts shouting for no reason which has another good bit where there's just this old man who just appears out of nowhere and Boo. yeah, he shouts boobs. It's exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's good. And I also ticked best friend. He has nothing in common with, which was right at the start. Amelia. His good friend Murph played by Peter Dante, who's just oh. this random layabout guy. Who's, he's a pizza delivery guy, but also works at the Mandrake Falls airport. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have anything in common with, um, Longfellow D, who writes greeting cards and climbs buildings to save cats. Yeah, so that was my sound of scale. Terrible week for me. Shocking. So I put mine for a randomizer, uh, and I did very well this week. I got a line in 15 minutes and 30 seconds. Oh, very nice. Uh, and I ended up getting six in total. So the ones I didn't get, I didn't get a fart, I didn't get a dream, and uh, I didn't get Chris Rock. My line was uh, a reference to weed, which was my 15 minute 31, which is where uh, the villain goes, what's in that pipe? Hashish? Hashish, yeah. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) Uh, Then we've got Steve Buscemi, Crazy Eyes, and then Mm -hmm. Peter Dante. Yeah, what a good bloody... That's a very good line, actually. Good bloody line. I'd say Um, all strong points in this film, to be honest. Crazy Eyes is good. Peter Dante's good. The weed is okay. We haven't really spoken about Crazy Eyes. He's <laughs> every time I saw him, I started laughing yeah. hysterically. He has a pizza with um, Oreos and French fries <laughs> on it. I think every time he appears, the song "In the Summertime" by Mungo Jerry plays. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that. Yeah, it plays like three times. Just it's in the background. It's like he's got a theme. Then my last next ones were Maniac Villain product placement. We have a lot of that. So we have Sony mm-hmm. logo straight away. Uh, and then the last one was Fat Joe, which I think they do several times. So Peter Dante's mm. got like a weird fake belly. Fake belly, yeah. And then the woman who is trapped in the burning building, that she ends up breaking through the trampoline. Yeah. There's quite a lot of fat jokes in this. So yeah, that's it. So uh, I won the Sunless Scale yet Very again. Good. Yeah, I think you that. win it quite a lot. I think this film was... Definitely heavy on the Sandler tropes, but I just didn't have the right ones in my list because there was a a lot of Happy Madison cameos. Yeah, there was a lot of slapstick silliness, a lot of outdated jokes because of the time it came out. I think this is maybe the heaviest Sandler scale film we've had. 
in my opinion. Yeah, do you think? I was noticing them left, right and centre. I was thinking, oh, that's something that we, we've we mentioned before that always happens. Mm. I'll let you go first. I'm already, I think I know what you're going to say for this one. Do you think that Mr Deeds should take a trip to the Sandler Castle? <laughs> or do you think that Mr Deeds should jump in the pit? For me, this is a pit. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't, it might be. I didn't really like it. Uh, I liked some bits of it, but I felt like, for me, so when Adam Sandler does a rom-com, you need a Drew Barrymore, like in Fifty First Dates, where you really care about them or care about the story. Winona Ryder's horribly miscast in this. For me, this felt quite obnoxious in that they expect you to like the character when there's really not much to like about him. But I think there are quite a few laugh out loud moments this is really for me this is a really in the middle kind of film this could be either in the dungeon or at the top of the pit like it's not as bad as most of our ones we've thrown in the pit for me this is probably just a little bit worse than big daddy but Mm -hmm. i still don't think it's castle worthy what about you well i think the the opposite i think that watching this this time i did notice quite a few of the flaws with it i'd agree about winona Ryder. i think adam sandler works with a lot of his female leads again and this one he's he's never worked with Winona Ryder again but yeah I, I agree with you about it being quite inconsistent but I think viewing this as an Adam Sandler film I think that it hits enough of the good things that you would look out for in an Adam Sandler film for it to work quite a few of the gags that we've not mentioned that I think work quite nicely a bit I liked was when Murph takes over the computer while basically the woman that runs Deeds Pizza Jan is like messaging him on instant messenger and then halfway through he says something about like oh tell me about her sweet cheeks or do you get it on or something like that and it's really stupid joke but basically it's Murph has taken over and he's still typing as as Jan I think that was pretty funny I think the stuff with Alan Cover almost always guarantees a laugh his appearances in this they're slapstick and they're silly it's yeah. not just people getting hit and stuff like that. I think the fish out of water stuff's quite nice. And Mr. Deeds just being, in general, a bit of an idiot. I think they all say that he's an idiot and they know he's an idiot. So him being inconsistent and thinking that he's doing the right thing when he's not. I think it kind of just about works. Basically, a lot of the stupid stuff in this is what would keep me watching it and coming back to it. We've got a lot of good Sandler freakouts. We've got bits of Sandler, like, you know, doing his generic shouts, him doing these crazy antics of being able to climb buildings and be everyone's hero. And you can tell that he's made this character he thinks is like this incredible person. And I think that makes it funny. If you're going to say Big Daddy belongs in the castle, I think this film goes quite hand in hand with that. I know, but I didn't want that either. (laughs) (laughs) It's more coherent than like your punch drunk loves as well. Oh, shut up. It's got more of a straight up story, more of of a goal. Right. This is so you allowed Punch Drunk Love into the castle, but only on the condition that we get out the key, the Sandler key, and Mm -hmm. we unlock the Sandler dungeon and we throw him in there to think about his crimes. And I'm asking we do the same with Mr. Deeds. I don't I don't want him amongst our classic guests like Hubie Halloween. You don't want him to embarrass itself. I don't want to embarrass itself. Longfellow to embarrass you in front of the the prestige people. Okay, I think that I can agree with that because I really like the concept of them being unlikely cellmates. Imagine (laughs) Punch Drunk Love next to your Mr. Deeds. You know, one's an art house film about (coughs) struggling with anger problems, and and the other one's (laughs) Punch Drunk Love. 
So yeah, into the dungeon it goes. The dungeon yeah. of the castle. If this is like a Sandler fantasy scape, I think the dungeon's like a sort of purgatory. Yeah, where it's got to get either a bit funnier, it's got to ditch something. Hmm. Yeah. What have we got in there so far? Just Punch Drunk Love and, and Mr. Deeds. I swear we said I something else. Big Daddy but... was close to being in the dungeon for you. Mr. Deeds, I was, I was actually quite bored whilst watching it. I was a bit... I just wanted it to be over. Oh, so I, I thought you would have liked right it. Now. One week I might love this if I rewatch it. Yeah. Would you rewatch it? Yeah. yeah. If it was on telly and I had nothing else to do, mm-hmm. I'd have it on again. Like, I don't want to be too harsh. It's not It's not a bedtime stories. No. Yeah, I think that's that's how it gets into the castle, isn't it? Just by not being, being f- bedtime a film stories. rather than whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll okay. give it that. It's a film. It's a, definitely a film. It's definitely a film. Go see it. Maybe. Should we do a Sandler Games? Yes. I am doing the Sandler game this week. And honestly, the Sandler game only came about because I liked the name of it. So this one is called How Covert Was Covert. We go over a lot of these actors who appear in all the films. Usually we call them by their actor name. We say, oh, Alan Covert was in this. Rob Schneider, Jonathan Loughran. But mm-hmm. do we ever focus on their character names? No, never. Yeah. You're a Sandler expert. And I'm going to play a game where I will say a character name that Alan Covert has played. I want you to tell me the film. So I can tell you now that off the top of my head, I could tell you just one. All right. If you're struggling, I'll describe briefly what they look like or their job. Okay. Okay. If I've seen the film. Right. Maybe I haven't. (laughs) Then I'll just guess it could be anything. All right. The first one then is Otto. Oh, um, that's Happy Gilmore slash Jack and Jill. Very good. Well done. This next one is Ferrari Guy. That's bedtime stories. Bedtime stories. Right. I'm, I'm easing you in, mate. Okay. I'm easing you in. Okay. The next one is Referee. Longest Yard? Yeah, Longest Yard. This one is called Phil. <laughs> oh, God. Phil. Um... Yeah, actually, his full name is Phil D'Amato. It's one of the only ones where he's got a full name. Phil D'Amato. Little Nicky. No. So this guy, he has short hair. Big Daddy? Yeah, well done. Oh, good. Nice. This next one is Sammy. That's the wedding singer. The wedding singer, good. All right, this is going to be a quick game, actually. I'm doing better than I thought I was going to. The only one I could, I know off really the top good. of my head is 10 Second Tom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So the next one is Hippie Teacher. Oh, that sounds good. Um, hippie Teacher. That's my boy? No. Oh, yeah, the teacher's the one that he has sex with. I don't think he has sex with Alan Covert when he was a kid. Hippie teacher. Grown-ups. Oh, grown-ups too. Grown-ups too. Ah. All right, this one is Abusive Citizen. Jesus, Abusive Citizen. I've not seen this film, so I can't help. The Waterboy? No, not The Waterboy. Pixels? Yes. Oh. (laughs) Where did that come from? I don't know. I haven't seen it either. All right, this one is 220 Tom. 220 Tom? 220 Tom. The 51st Dates reunion thing? No. I don't know. But, but, yes. Oh, so it's just 51st Dates? No, no, it's not 51st Dates. It's a reunion of 51st Dates. On the Drew Barrymore show? That thing? No. The Sandler family reunion? No. No. So it's a re- it's a reunion of some of the cast of Fifty First Dates in another film. Oh, what a blended! Blended, yeah. Two hundred and twenty top. <laughs> yeah. What the hell's going on there? <laughs> I don't know. I've not seen it. I, okay. I think I have watched that one, but I don't remember that. 
In what film is he called Gervy? Little Nicky. <laughs> no, he has glasses as this. He has glasses and he's called Gervy. Gervy. <laughs> uh, is that him in Sandy Wexler? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, which film is he called Marty? That feels familiar. That feels like one I should have seen. Um, I'm pretty sure you've seen this one. Is that The Waterboy? No. Billy Madison? No. You say uh, you're has... sure I've seen it. I, that, I'm sure seen you've it. seen it. And he has blonde hair. Blonde hair, Marty, Alan Covert. Blonde as in like his bleach blonde hair in... Oh, is it Mr. Deeds? It's Mr. Deeds. <laughs> Come on, mate. You've just Oh, yeah, Mark, yeah. Marty and <laughs> his big ass. God, that shows that Covert truly is Covert. <laughs> he is very Covert. Right, I've got two more. Um, which hell does he play... Uh, old lady, old lady. <laughs> Grandma's boy. No, it can't be. Um, he also plays bus driver. Eight crazy nights. Yeah, and Mayor's wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm what... so excited to watch that. One more. Uh, Walter. In what films he playing Walter? God. Um, the Walter boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it? It's the, it's the one that you've been saying for every single one. I can't remember I what thinking... he does in that film. I just know he must be in it. Yeah, well, I haven't seen that one yet. I'm uh, really excited for you to see what he looks like in Little Nicky, if you can't remember, if you've not seen it. I haven't seen Little Nicky, so okay. I, I, saw the first, I saw the first five minutes and I turned it off because it was so horrendous. So uh, that was how Covert was Covert. And I think you did uh, you did quite good, I think. Surprisingly well, yeah. It was good. I just thought of the title in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh my god, I need to I need to do something with this. It's it's definitely true though that he plays characters and you just don't you don't yeah. recognise his name in any of them. So I think that's the end of this episode. Mr. Deeds is just about making it into the castle. <laughs> but he is in the dungeon of that castle. What are we gonna watch next week? Uh next week. <sighs> There's space in the pit. This is, I, need, <laughs> no, I need a moment. Yeah. Make sure we've got plenty of space in the bloody pit because this week we're not even doing an Adam Sandler film, except I think he might have a five second cameo. We're doing The Animal, uh, which is a Rob Schneider film. Have you seen this? Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. Fucking hell. A couple of times when I was a kid, I think. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Until we started doing this podcast and we were like exploring the imdb pages i did kind of forget that it exists it's an odd film and i'm very excited to revisit it and come back I... and discuss what is wrong with the fact that this film got made <laughs> <laughs> don't be too negative it might be really good yeah it might have aged really well and i might love it now but we haven't this is going to be i think the first film you watch where rob schneider's a lead and so far yeah. you've just seen him do i hate weird him. cameos I hate him in everything. Yeah, fair so, enough. So uh, I can't wait to see him for 90 plus minutes, just God. him on his own. Thank you to Joe Tyrone for our music. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Luke Terry, for editing uh, these episodes. You're so welcome. Thank you to Luke Thomas for the artwork. No worries. If people want to find us, where can they go? They can contact us at thesandlerpit at gmail.com. Uh, they can also visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Sandler Pit, uh, where you can see more of our exclusive world-beating content. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week for the animal. 
It was a Sandler buy from me and a Sandler buy from him. Time heals all things, except these crazy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Bye. An instant classic. Genius, genius, genius. Do you write your poems with a crayon, dear?